warfare. Mm -hmm. It is a battle plan, it's a strategy, it's instructions, it's uh, prophecy, it's revelation. What God is doing, and I don't know why this thing here is chiming, I've got it on Do Not Disturb, and it's still right on chiming for some, um, for some reason. So I'm going to stop this real quick and see what we got here. Okay. So, we have a whole period of time here now that we got to kind of look into what the spiritual warfare is. God began to explain that there was a spiritual warfare, so I've entitled this The Spiritual Warfare. So it kind of curtails everything that is going on with the spiritual warfare. I want you to step back and get out of the element of spiritual warfare and see the full picture of, of spiritual warfare. Uh, there was a book that was written many years ago called The Battlefield of the Mind. It was written by uh, two different people. One of them was Joyce Meyer, done a good job with it. Kenneth Hagin wrote some on it. Others wrote some on it. There was a, a grand uh, avenue of uh, ministry in that one area, but it's it, 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 although it was good, it's kind of turned into an issue to where that's where everybody thinks spiritual warfare is. It's kind of mm -hmm. like faith. Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of faith. There's the faith of God, the faith of Jesus, the faith of man, the measure of faith that God gives you, divine faith, healing faith, weak faith, strong faith, holy faith, most holy faith. We could go on and on and on. And, and if you listen to a lot of preachers online, they're talking about prosperity faith, seed faith. And everybody's getting to the point where they think that's the only faith there is. No, there's all kinds of faith, and it's the same way with spiritual warfare. Um, look at the rest of that title. It says, Spiritual Warfare, the Battle for Territorial Sovereignty. I should have put that differently. I should have put sovereignty first. The Battle for Sovereign Territorial uh, Reign of the Province of Earth in the Kingdom of Heaven. And that's what the Bible is all about. It is a revelation of the spiritual battle that is going on for the province called Earth. There's going to be a lot of things that you may not have heard yet because I'm going to carry it a little bit deeper. And first thing I want to do to get a review is I want you to look at the word dispensation. You'll hear that quite a bit. That's not in the Old Testament. You don't hear that word in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament... It is there five different times. And the word dispensation means that it is a moral or a probationary period in angelic or human history during which time God dealt and will deal with angels or, or men according to a particular test or responsibility under which each was to remain true to his trust of the administering affairs of God under his direction. The long definitions to say basically it was a period of time that God took entities, whether it be an angel or a man, put them on the earth and tested them mm -hmm. to see if they would be true to him. Mm -hmm. And if you'll look on that, you'll see there's nine dispensations in Scripture. Uh, seven of them are directly related to man. The first one, we covered that Sunday night on uh, Facebook. The dispensation of angels and there was a lot of things that we brought out and as people listen to it they've been texting me all week so I've never seen that before I've never seen that before one of the, the, the uh, deals on that is 
is that between Genesis chapter number one, verse number one, Genesis chapter number one, verse number two, there's something happened to God's creation. And when God creates something, he creates something 100% perfect according to the Bible, absolutely perfect. And something happened in Genesis chapter one, verse one to two. And the Bible reveals as we walk all the way through Genesis all the way to Revelation that it's when Lucifer, which was the regent that God put over the earth, rebelled against God. And because of that, God actually uh, destroyed a social system that was on the earth at that point in time. That answers all the questions of where the, the dinosaurs come from, the cavemen come from, why they're finding bones at six billion years old, and all this stuff. And the second dispensation is where we want to go tonight. There was something that uh, uh, we, we revealed the other night and that is, or, or Sunday night is that angels can sin just like men can sin. Jude said that angels sin. That's why we can't worship angels. So tonight we want to start with the first dispensation of man and look at that. Uh, we've covered Sunday night online all the first nine dispensations in the Bible, the dispensations of the angels. And we also, if you'll look in that, on that um, handout, it says there were five major ages in the Bible. Dispensations is like an uh, a outline, a period of time, but there can be ages that are under that dispensation. That's why Paul tells Timothy, he said, rightly divide the word of truth. When something is written in a certain age, it might not be applied to another age. If it was written in that dispensation, you can't say 100% of the time that it is applied in that disp uh, another dispensation. So you've got to understand how the Bible is broken up, and the Bible is broken up in dispensations. So tonight we're going to refer back to the age of in, oh, I'm sorry, the age of the angels there, uh, where we discussed this and where we discussed it the other night. But now we're going to go into the second dispensation of the Bible, but the first dispensation of man. There is a lot of things in this tonight that's really eye-opening. First off, I want you to look. We call the second dispensation the dispensation of innocence. This picks up in Genesis chapter number 2. Actually, it actually refers all the way back in Genesis chapter number 1, but this dispensation actually starts in Genesis chapter number 2, verse 15, and goes through Genesis chapter number 3. In this dispensation, there is the anti-chaotic age, and there is also the anti-diluvian age. Let me explain what I'm saying. The anti-chaotic age is before the world began to be in chaos, before Genesis chapter number 1, verse 2. Antediluvian means before Noah's flood. So these two ages fall in that there with is from the beginning of the six days of creation or re recreation, restoration, whatever you want to call it, all the way to Noah's time. This is a dispensation to where man was put on human probation. He was tested by God to see if he would trust God. And as we well know, he failed. There was a 
spiritual war going on at that time is continually going on. Now, under that dispensation, something you need to know. The length of it, none of us don't know how long it is. Jews teach that it lasted three days. That Adam and Eve walked with God for three days. And on the, the third day or the fourth day, that's when Eve and Adam sinned. I'm not going to say that's the truth because you can't prove that by the Bible, but that's what the Jews teach. Every dispensation in the Bible has a favorable beginning, it has an ending, and it has a way of redemption from God. The last thing that we ended up on Sunday night was the angels that sinned were judged. Also, there's a place in the Bible that calls angels God's elect angels. That's very important because the doctrine of election means that God elected you to be redeemed. So, I don't know. We can't find it all in the Bible. All we know, there's two places in the Bible that it refers to God's elect angels. So these angels that sinned, somehow or another, they had some type of grace in line. They could accept that grace and be reconciled back to God, and now they are called God's elect angels. That ended the first dispensation. Now we're moving into the second dispensation. So we have a favorable beginning. Everything starts out good. Anytime God creates or does anything, he does it absolutely perfect. He does it absolutely perfect. So when God <laughs> begins to put things in play, they start out 100% perfect. When he calls something to come to pass and he creates it, it's 100% perfect. Everything's perfect. Everything's sinless. And everything is under God's dominion. So in this second dispensation, the dispensation of innocence, there is a favorable beginning with it. Everything starts out perfect there's no sin in it none whatsoever everything's perfect everything's wonderful and in this period of time while everything is perfect the perfect atmosphere the perfect uh, environment all of that was there everything on the face of the earth was under man's dominion that is the entire reason why God created man. He wanted him to replace Lucifer and the angels that ruled the province of earth in the kingdom of God, and he wanted him to be the regent over the, the, the province of earth. That's why Satan hates us so bad. A cold was not sent to make you sick. It was sent to kill you because he does not want you to live. Turn with me, if you will, to Genesis chapter number 1, verse number 28. It has a favorable beginning. Everything is right. And there is a few commands that God gives man during this period of time. Now, you've heard preachers say before the only command that God gave them was they shouldn't eat the fruit, the fruit of the tree of knowledge. There were more commands in this dispensation than just one. In verse number 28, it says in chapter number 1, And God blessed them, and God said, 
be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish, over the fowl of the air, and over every creeping thing that moves upon the face of the earth. So the first thing that God told him, he said, be fruitful. All of that, be fruitful, multiply, is in the imperative tense. And when it's in the imperative tense, it is a command from the Lord. So our command from the Lord in this position is that we are to be fruitful, to multiply, replenish, and subdue the earth and be in dominion. There is five commands there that we get there. That word be, uh, be fruitful simply means procreate. It means create something. When you create something, he says to go on further and multiply. The Hebrew word for multiply is the word rabah, R-A-B-A. And it means to become many or great or to increase. So man, when he was originally created, was given an anointing, and that anointing was to increase. Anything that man would have put his hand to would have increased with him. He would have been fruitful, and he would have increased in anything he did. He would have created something, and he increased. That's something we need to understand today, because as Christians, we are to be fruitful and we have the anointing of increase. Mm -hmm. And we've got to learn what the anointing of increase is. We're going to do a, a, a study and a message on the anointing of increase and what it is. But it, it don't just mean to uh, increase by adding to. It's in multiplication. When God blesses you, he blesses you in multiplication. You sow one seed out of an apple. How many apples do you get out of that one seed? It's impossible to know. Because you put that apple in the ground, it grows a tree. And as it grows a tree, it grows out limbs. And when it grows out limbs, it grows out blossoms. And then it grows out an apple that's got all kinds of seeds in it. And you take those seeds and put them down, and that multiplies. And the next year, the next season, here comes another apple with a seed on the inside of it. And every year in his lifespan, it is multiplying, it's multiplying, it's multiplying. That's why God said in the Bible, he said, prove me and test me and see if I will not pour out a blessing that you will not be able to contain. All you ever need in your life is one blessing from God, one. And if you know how to use the blessing that God has given you in your life, as you do so, you will increase and operate in the anointing of increase and the anointing of multiplication you are literally, when you put your hands to one thing, God will send you back multiple things back in your place. That's why he said, cast your bread upon the water and it will return to you how many ways? Seven ways. So God wants to bless his children. God wants to bless us. And when he first originally created man, he blessed them. He gave them the anointing of increase and he gave them the anointing of multiplication. Can't you see why the devil hates us so? Because if we can get the understanding of the anointing of increase and the anointing of multiplication, then the devil won't be able to do anything with us. Amen? Amen. That word multiply means to increase by reproducing and to do it again and to copy a system. That's what that word in the Hebrew means, copy a system. Do the system. Here's what's happening in the, the spiritual warfare. The devil does not want us to copy the system of God. 
He does not want us to copy the system of God. So what he'll have us do is sit back and develop our own system and hold it up to God and say, okay, God bless this system. God is not obligated to bless your system. Mm -hmm. How many have heard Christians say, I don't have to go to church to live right. I can live just as good at home as I can at church. That ain't the system that God put in place. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's heard, I don't have to have religion or I ain't got religion, I'm saved. Mm-hmm. You can't be saved without religion. That's just right. the bottom line is it is. Religion means a system. That's what the word means. So God has a system in place. And in the Bible, he explains to us what that system is. And anytime we do not apply the system, we are in rebellion, holding something up to God, saying, God, bless this. Bless my status quo. He is not obligated to do that. He might bless you a little bit because he loves you, but the more you do it in rebellion, after a while, he'll bust that system that you got completely apart. So God gave Adam, the anointing of increase, the anointing of multiplication, and he said, all right, here's the system. Copy this system, and I'll bless you. I believe if living water start copying the system, we'll be blessed in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Then the next command was replenish the earth. Fill something up again. I want to ask you a question. Why in the world... Would God tell Adam to fill the earth up again if he was just creating the earth? He couldn't do it, could he? So when you have the word replenish, it means fill it up again. Do it again. When you receive something, there's the base word, sieve, which means at one time you had it. And somehow or another you lost it. So now when you receive, you're getting back what you lost before. So if you're ready to have a blessing from the Lord, you may have had it before somewhere in line in your life, and it could have been all the way back to Adam that you had it. But God wants you to receive what you had at the beginning. So God says, I want you to fill this earth up again and restore it to a formal level or the formal condition that I had it in. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, God is revealing to us exactly what we've already taught in Genesis chapter number 1, verse number 1, and verse number 2, that there was a social system here on this earth before that God actually destroyed. That social system is where we have demons come from. Let me explain what I'm saying. Scientists have put forth this evolution that the earth is six, six billion years old. The Bible only has 6,000 years of history. And because of that, we got a bunch of atheists and a bunch of scientists that think we're, we've lost our mind because we believe God only creates the earth 6,000 years ago. God never said that in the Bible. God never revealed that in the Bible. In fact, what God revealed in the Bible is that through many eons, ages, and periods of time, the gods created the multiple heavens and created the earth as dry land. There was no sea on the earth when he originally created it. And when he restores the heavens and brings a new earth and restores and and refines it again in the end day, there will not be any seas on the earth, none whatsoever. So God is going to slowly uh, uh, restore it back to what it used to be. So here we have now, while these people are 
this social system, this order is here on this earth, and all the subjects of Lucifer is here on this earth. They are beings that has a body, that has a spirit. And Jesus made a statement in Matthew 25. He said, I am the Lamb of God slain since the foundation of the earth. That word foundation in the Greek is katabale, and it means from the overthrow of the earth or the overthrow of the earth system. So when these people and this social system was destroyed, their body died, but their spirit, where did it go? Well, it goes on further in that, and he tells them that God created hell for the devil and his angels. So Lucifer was not the devil until he rebelled against God. So when this creation was destroyed, there was no place for evil spirits to go to, so they went out in the air. So what you are dealing with today, and the Bible, the, the, the scientists has come up and they said there's monolith men and creo men and all them men, cave men that's out there. So all that science does is verify what the Bible's already said. And what we deal with in these uh, demonic spirits or spirits that at one time lived in a body that has been released from that body and now they're seeking a body to be able to react and do what they want to do. That's a very strong revelation because you don't hear a lot of preachers preach about that because they're kind of scared to do that. And so the next command that he made after the anointed of increase, the anointed of multiplication, after telling them to replenish the earth, he said, subdue the earth. Subdue the earth. When you subdue something, you make it subservient to you. You, you literally subdue it. You dominate it. So he's telling you there the action of what I want you to do. I want you to be in control of your atmosphere. I want you to be in control of your life. God is not happy with any Christian believer that is not in control of their life. He wants you to get in control of your life. He wants you to be able to control your habits, control your tongue, control your eyes, control your mind, control your flesh. Ain't the whole New Testament written about just about it? Controlling your lust and your uh, lust of your flesh, the actions of your flesh, mortifying the deeds of your body. God wants us in control of ourself and our atmosphere. He don't want the devil in control. He wants you in control of that. So there was all kinds of commands that he gave them. And then he said, and I want you to have dominion on the earth. That word there is the word radah. It means he wants you to reign. Wants you to reign. To be in control with a superior power and authority. It literally means govern yourself. God wants us to be able to govern ourselves. He wants us to... To, uh, to know the laws and apply those laws to ourselves. So this is what he shared. Now look at verse number 29. In verse number 29, let's find out something about man that we really need to pay attention to. Verse number 29. And God said, Behold, I've given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in which is fruit of a tree yielding seed, to you it shall be for me. When God created man to begin with, he created him as a vegetarian. Man didn't eat meat. Larissa, what would you do if you had to give up meat today? <laughs> well, I don't hardly eat that much meat no way, so. So you'd handle it, huh? Yes, sir, I can handle it. 
So I, I tell you, sometimes uh, meat is hard to digest. It really is. Yes. And if you, uh, what they do with you, now think about this. If you're sick and you go in the hospital, the first thing they do is they put you on a liquid diet for three days. Mm -hmm. yep. Have you ever thought why they do that? Because you can't digest the food they give you? Well, it's because they flush out your system. Okay. They flush it out. They see if after three days you ain't got no better, that's when they'll say, okay, something wrong. Mm -hmm. We got to find out what's going on. Maybe Larissa's heart ain't bump, uh, pumping right or there's something in there that's causing it. Most people that are sick, if they'll go on a liquid diet for three days, within three days, they'll be back to normal, able to move along, system back, feeling better than they ever had before in their life. So he told them that they were going to be there. Now look at chapter number two. This is the last command that he gave, verse 15. And I'm going to give you some revelation here. Verse 15, And the Lord took, God took man, and he put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Okay. The word keep there means to guard it. Why would a man have to guard Eden if everything was perfect? No sin, no nothing. Why would God tell man, guard this spot? He was slowly revealing to Adam that there was an enemy out there. In the Garden of Eden, there was no sin. There was light, God's presence. Remember, I told you that the word Eden means a place at the moment where the Spirit of God is there and the window of heaven is opened up and you have direct relationship with God. Now God is telling man in this dispensation, he says, keep the garden. Keep the garden. We're going to find out later on that Adam didn't keep the garden. But here he is revealing to him that he needs to keep the garden. Now look at verse 16. He said, And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Circle that word, die. You see, our English language in the Bible really don't give us the whole picture. You have to go back and look in the Hebrew and find out what God was truly saying. God revealed in these two verses to Adam, number one, there's an enemy. And number two, he revealed who the enemy was. Now, we would have thought that God was saying, hey, Lucifer is the enemy, pay attention to him. And he probably did in illusion. But look at those two verses. Who did God tell Adam the enemy was? Look at it real good. In the day that you shall eat of it, thou shalt surely die. Death. Mm -hmm. Now, 
word death in the Hebrew is the word luth. It's spelled M-U-T, but it's pronounced luth. Muth, all the way through the Bible, is the demon of death. It is what we call the grim weeper. Muth was a demon that was in place, an entity that was in place, that could have been held at bay and never entered in here on this earth if man would have obeyed God. But let me talk to you about Moose just a little bit. Turn with me, if you will, to Hosea chapter 13, verse 14. Let me show you some things that Moose does. See, the Bible will tell you from one verse to the other, from one chapter to the other, all the way through Revelation, exactly who you're fighting against. He'll tell you their name if you'll really study it. Hosea chapter 13, verse number 14. God is talking. He said, I will ransom them from the power. And right there, circle that word power. And right up above it, hand. That's really what he said. I will ransom them from the hand of the grave. That word grave is the Hebrew word sheol. S-H-E-O-L. Very important for you to understand called the word Sheol is the word hell. So he's saying here, I will res rescue you or ransom you from the hand of hell. So he's not just talking about the grave. He's not just talking about death. But let's look on a little further. Then he says, I will redeem them from Muth. I will redeem them from the demon of death. So God is prophesying here saying, I'm going to save you from the power of hell and I am going to redeem you from the demon called Muth, death. He reads on, he says, O death, I will be thy plagues, O grave or O hell, I will be thy destruction, repentance shall be hid from mine eyes. So God is revealing to us who we're fighting against. So, look at this. We're fighting against death. His name is Muth. Death has the authority and the power to take someone to the grave and to also take them to hell. And God said, I will redeem you from that. Look at the word uh, uh, grave there again in that. The word Sheol is the underworld. Hell is up under your feet. It means the abode of the dead. It means the place of no return. The Bible tells us that hell has five different compartments. Anybody ever heard of that before? Has five different compartments. There's many. We're going to go through on that and everything because I've studied it and, and, and preached it here before too as well. One compartment right now it's completely 100% empty. But it's going to be wherever wicked spirit winds up at. It's called Guiana, which is the core of the earth. It's the lake of fire, is what the Bible calls it. Has anybody ever looked at an encyclopedia or online of how much uh, heat 
is in the middle of our earth. Maybe take a bit on your phone and just search out and say, how hot is the earth's core? I believe that it will literally open up your mind. So Muth, death, was in existence, but at the time that God put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, he had no power on earth. And the devil wanted to do whatever he could possibly do to throw man out of his position and open up the doorway so that death could come. Muth, or death, what God actually truly said here is he said, the day that you eat of this fruit, Muth, death, will be given the authority to pass through your bloodline. It will be given the authority to kill your family. It will be given the authority to take your family out. And although they didn't physically die at that point, the authority was given to the, to the demon called Muth, death, to walk through man's family. And it don't matter if you're red, black, green, blue, yellow, wherever you are, you are a member of one family. And we're all of one, comes from one fella, and the devil still, or the death angel still has the authority to walk through our body, to walk through our vessel. It is appointed once a man to die, and then after that, the judgment. So when Adam sinned, he opened up the doorway so that death can walk through. Yes, we can have the power to stop death in his tracks. We can have the power to confront death and even raise up bodies that has died before. Yet, the only one that ever has been raised up out of the grave to live forever to this point has been Jesus Christ. Lazarus, when he raised up, he died again. The, the widow's son, when she was raised up, he was raised up, he died again. But Jesus is the only one that didn't. So what he was telling them is if you don't obey me, then I'm going to give this demonic devil the authority to walk through your family. That's a principle. That's how God judges his people. Hear what I'm saying? If we as Christians do not do and, and pass the test that God has for us, then a door is open for the devil to walk through our life just like Moose walks through their life. You have to understand that. We'll go through it and prove it a little bit later on. So the test that Adam and Eve had was don't eat the tree. Don't eat the fruit of this tree. If you don't eat the fruit of this tree, then you'll live forever. But if you eat it, the minute you do, then you're going to be open to everything you're keeping the garden against. You're going to be open to the death angel walking through your family. There was a purpose also of God in this dispensation, and that was to see if man would remain innocent and true to the trust under the perfect conditions. I want to say this. Adam and Eve was in the perfect environment and still messed up. Anybody ever thought in life, well, if I could just move away from here, 
things will be a whole lot better. How many of you ever heard anybody say that? I need to get away from this job, things will be a whole lot better. Or I need to leave this marriage, it's going to be a whole lot better. Or I'm on drugs, and if I can get away from this town, I can come off these drugs. Ain't going to change a thing. Ain't going to change a thing. Don't matter where you go at, if you're still living the same way, you're opening your doorway open to the devil so he can walk in through your life. If you are on drugs in this town and you leave, you might do all right for a day or two, but let me share with you that demonic devil that is walking through your family, he will literally go to the convenience store while you're at the convenience store and tie, to grab a hold of a, a fellow over there that sells drugs and put him right before you to see if you're going to be able to pass or not. That's right. So changing your environment don't change nothing. The only thing that can change things in your environment is you got to give it all to God. you got to change that. So the purpose of God was to test him to see if he would be faithful in a perfect environment. But he wasn't. Now go with me to Romans chapter number 5. Let's see what happened here. Romans chapter number 5, verse 12. Now, when Adam sinned, or Adam ate the fruit, he sinned, right? Mm -hmm. The word sin is the, the, the Greek word harmatia. The word sin or harmatia means you violate a law that you know. So, when you sin, you are breaking a commandment that you truly know. Verse 12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sinned into, sin entered into the world, and death, or muth, in the original Hebrew, by sin. And so death passed upon all men. You see what I'm just saying? He already said, if you're going to eat this fruit, then muth is going to have the authority to pass through all men. So it goes on, it says, So death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. For until the law, sin was into the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, Death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift of grace, which by one man Jesus Christ has abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they will receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness and shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one condemnation, even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men in the justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so that by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound, that as sin is reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through the righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus our Lord. So here is Paul explaining that sin brought in death and Muth has the authority to pass through 
But if someone will repent and go before the Lord and accept Jesus Christ, then the door of life is opened up to us. Amen. All right? Now, let's go to 1 Timothy. Let's see what else happened here. 1 Timothy chapter number 2, verse 11 through 15. Has anybody ever wondered why Paul told Timothy, he said, don't let women teach in the church? Anybody ever wondered why? Answers this right here. Verse number 11. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach, not to usurp authority over a man, but to be silent. For Adam was first formed and then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman, being deceived, was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, in charity, and holiness with sobriety. Eve did not sin. She violated the control of but Eve did not sin until Adam sinned. That's very important for you to understand. Sin is to violate a known law. We're going to find out Eve didn't know the law. In fact, Eve added to the law. Eve was not present when God gave the command. Adam was supposed to tell her exactly what God had said. But he didn't do that. The Bible says that God looked at Adam and said, don't eat this tree. The minute you eat this tree, then Muth is going to have the authority to pass through all men. He told uh, Eve, if you eat this fruit or you even touch this thing, you're going to die. That ain't what God said. God didn't say that. So Adam had already failed in keeping the garden. He had already failed in subduing the earth because he didn't have everything in control. He had allowed the devil, Lucifer, to come into his garden. He wasn't supposed to do that. And he failed in commanding his subjects to live the way they're supposed to live. He did not preach the word of God like he's supposed to. Bible says the reason why women were not supposed to teach at that time is because they were deceived. Now there's a big difference in being deceived and not being deceived. The Bible said Adam was not deceived. Adam knew what he was doing when he done what he done. He knew that although Eve had ate a part of that fruit, as long as he didn't eat the fruit, it would not have allowed Moose to pass through from man to man. But he looked at that beautiful woman. She's probably the most prettiest woman you ever laid in your life. I think after I see Jesus up in heaven, there's two people I do want to see, and that's Eve and that's Sarah. Because I'm going to tell you what, after 6,000 years of sin and corruption and disease and all this evil that's out there, Women still look pretty good today. So I want to be able to see Eve because that had to be the prettiest thing that was ever created. And Sarah at 100 years old that would make a king wanting to marry her and take her in his harem. I got to see that too in the name of Jesus. Amen. He looked at that beautiful woman and he said, I'd rather have her 
than have eternal life. And he made a decision. And when he did, because the marriage covenant between Adam and Eve, when Adam done what he done, it come in unity with Eve and man sinned. If Adam would have never done it, Eve might have been reprimanded, but death would have never came down through our generations. Now that's something to think about. Something to think about. So, let's read on a little bit further. The failure we found in Genesis chapter number 3. And the snake, the serpent, started talking to Eve, brooded her for information. She gave him information of what she was told. The devil realized right then she don't have the true word, and he kept right on to her. He deceived her. And from that point on, Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, All have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. The word come short means failed to be a partner. All of us have failed to be a partner with God in our life. Some of us even now, truly believing in the Lord, we have come short of God's glory. We have failed being his partner. It means to fall back from and to suffer want, to be devoid of, to lack something, to come too late to it, to be left behind in a race, and to fall short from reaching the goal. All of us have fell short from the kingdom of God and the crown of glory that God put on Adam at that point. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 1. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. I'll be glad to get my whole church back in the church. Amen. <laughs> verse 1 says, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, that any of you should seem to come short of it. God has promised us certain things, uh, and we are supposed to do everything in our power to fulfill what God wants us to fulfill. So, let's look at Genesis chapter number 3. And I'm going to try to hurry so we can get you home tonight. Genesis chapter number 3. There were seven steps in man's fall. Seven steps. And every time I brought this out to people, people began to realize if they're on the wrong track, how far along on the wrong track they are. Some people have stopped, turned around, changed their life, and got victory over it. I'm not going to read each verse. But verse number one says, That serpent that was more subtle than any beast in the field which the Lord God had made, he said to the woman, Hey, yeah, Hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Here's what she said. God told us not to eat that fruit, and he said, If you even touch that tree, then Muth is coming. Did God say that? No. So the first thing that you see that Lucifer did or the devil did is he tried to get her to doubt the word of God. 
And when she made the statement that God had said this, he already knew right then he was ahead of the ball game. That's why it's very important for you to know the Word of God. Study to show thyself approved, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of Truth. Quoting the Scripture of God exactly the way God wants you to quote it. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't know the Word of God, it's easy to doubt God's Word. Eve told her, him, I believe that God has said that if I even touch this tree, I'm going to die. God didn't do that. She believed a false lie. And any time as a Christian we believe a false lie, the devil has one up on us. The second step was, is they added to, or she added to, or misquoted God's Word. Anybody ever had anybody add to God's Word? Let, let, let's prove how the church is added to God's Word. Jesus was killed on what kind of tree? Palm tree. A what? Palm, Palm tree. tree. What have you always heard all your life? A dogwood tree. Oh, a dogwood tree. <laughs> Jesus won't kill on a dogwood tree. The Bible ain't never said that. Ain't never said that before. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Have you ever heard that before? Is that the Bible? That ain't in the Bible. Yeah, cleanliness is next to God, but it ain't the Bible. How many's ever heard that you won't be able to tell? The only way you're going to be able to tell the times of the season is by the budding of the trees. You ever heard that? That ain't in the Bible either. <laughs> Misquoting and adding to God's word. When she misquoted and added to God's word, the devil says, I got her now. So the first step was he's trying to get her to doubt the word, and now she said, this is what God said. But God hadn't said that. She misquoted it. The third thing was that she contradicted God's word. Look at what he done in verse number 4. He said, And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. Let's put it in, in original language. You're not going to die because Muth ain't going to come if you eat that fruit. You eat it. Now, everybody look at me. The, 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 the serpent told her the truth. It was the truth. The devil will tell you the truth. That's right. That's right. It was the truth. Girl, if you eat this fruit, Muth ain't coming when you eat this fruit. The truth was the minute Adam ate that fruit, that's yeah. when Muth was going to come. Mm -hmm. So he told her the truth, didn't he? He told her the truth. That's why sometimes even though what you hear is the truth, you really need to go to prayer and say, okay, Lord, is this the whole truth? Mm -hmm. Lord, you want me to say something to Betty? Lord, you better be sure that I know the full truth. So the devil will give you enough of truth to make you want to do something. He said, girl, you ain't going to die and Muth ain't going to come if you eat this fruit. He told her the truth. There's nothing in there that said the minute she ate it that they died. Are y'all seeing how the devil works now? Amen. Amen. But listen to this. Ex, uh, Ezekiel chapter 18 verse 4 says this. The soul that sins shall die. 
That word literally means the soul that sins will have a visit from Muth. Muth is coming to a soul that sins. That word means that he's going to come and execute you and they'll die prematurely. You're going to be put to death and you're going to have Muth come early. And it says it again in verse number 20 in Ezekiel chapter number 18. Let's go there. Let's read that real quick. Uh, Ezekiel chapter number 18, verse number 20. He said it again in that verse, and we want to read that one. He said, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. Mm-hmm. Boy, I could go into that and, I, and, and almost destroy generational curses. What's that? Zip? Oh, that's it. I appreciate it because I had went to the bathroom. That's fine. Thank you so much. So, now we see that the devil, when he comes to try to get us, he will misquote the word or get us to misquote the word. And he will tell us the truth. Has anybody ever thought about it? In our Sunday school lesson, is telling us that the Word of God is given to us to create conviction. And the minute you create conviction, you can go the right way or the wrong way. If you go the wrong way, number one, you can excuse yourself, or you can say, okay, I messed up, I'm going to do better. And so many Christians do that. That's the wrong way, that's the wrong voice. The right way is to say, okay, I messed up God. I'm judging myself now. I ain't got the power to overcome this. I'm arresting you, and you're going to create it in me so I can come out of this. But the devil will tell you the flat right out truth. He'll lay the truth. He's not really concerned about you getting an element of the truth. The way he works in spiritual warfare in this church he will allow Larice to get an element of the truth. And it will be the truth. And what she believes will be the truth. And he'll turn around and he'll let Betty get an element of the truth. And what she believes is the truth. Then he'll sit back and he'll polarize each one of you to that truth that you got to where you think, this is, let's say it's on faith, this is the only faith there is. And Betty says, no, this is the only faith it is. Let's say you believe it's seed faith. And she believes that it's healing faith. And now he'll sit back and he'll watch you backbite one another over elements of the truth when the full picture of it is there's all kinds of faith. So it's the same way in spiritual warfare. Same way in spiritual warfare. I hope this is helping some of you. Amen? Amen. So, in Romans chapter number 6, let's get there, Romans chapter number 6, We find out something else in verse number 16. It says, Know you not that to whom you yield your self-service to obey, his service you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So if you are constantly out there sinning, committing sin that you know is wrong, you are telling death, hey, it's all right. Come on, take me out of here. Now, that's something to think about. How many of you want to live and not die? 
We got people go out there, they live like the hell, they're in violation of their covenants with the Lord, they're in violation with the commitment from the Lord, and then all of a sudden stuff starts happening in their life, and they'll say, I want to live, and I die, I shall live, and it's to quote the scripture. Oh no, that ain't spiritual warfare, that's stupidity. Boy, I wish I could really preach on that, but we'll go a little bit further. He goes on, but God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart and the, that form of darkness which has delivered you. Being then made free of sin, you became servants of righteousness. I speak after a manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members' service to uncleanness and to the iniquity, unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' service to righteousness unto holiness. For when you were servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit have you then with those things which you are now ashamed? For the end of these things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness in the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death. So when God says, depart from me, thy worker iniquity, I never knew you, guess who's going to be there ready to take you? Now, his name's called Muth. Death. Death. Go back to Genesis chapter number 3, verse number 5. She misinterpreted God's word, didn't she? She misinterpreted God's word. That's another way that the devil uses truth against us. Verse number 5 says, For God doth know that in the day, this is the devil that done this, or the, the serpent. For God does know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes will be open, and you, sh you shall be as God's, knowing good and evil. So the devil will use a interpretation of a scripture that is flat right out wrong. The next step is found in verse number 6. And that is temptation to transgress God's word. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also to her husband with her, and he did eat. So there was a desire to transgress or attempt a temptation there. And in verse number six, you also see the transgression of God's word, where the man knew what he was doing, but he went ahead and he ate. And from six to nineteen, we find out what the punishment of that was. Now, man lost a lot of things with that. He really did. He lost communication with God. He lost a perfect environment. He lost everything, really. He lost God's power. He lost all the benefits of perfect communion to God and perfect health. Everybody say amen. amen. The minute... That Adam sinned, there were six curses released on the earth. Six curses released on man and on the earth. Number one, the serpent was cursed. Number two, the woman was cursed. Satan was cursed. Man was cursed. The earth was cursed. And all the creation was cursed. So anytime, hear, hear me what I'm saying. This is why it's so important. Anytime you are guilty of sin, Breaking a known law, you are opening yourself up to a curse. That's why it's important for you to live right. I'm not going to read it all, but the minute that 
man messed up. God went hunting for man, didn't he? Mm -hmm. The minute that man messed up, he came walking in the garden looking for him. Those of you listening to me online tonight, God is looking for you. He's trying to find you. You can be like Adam and try to cover up everything in your life and make out like you're living all right if you want to. Or you can run out there and you can hide away from God if you want to. But there's coming a time very quickly in your life that God is going to ask you a simple question and you're going to have to answer him. Where are you at? What are you doing in life? Why are you where you're at? Why is it that your finances is messed up so bad? Why is it that everybody in your family has COVID? Why is it that they're coming to get your car? Why is it that you've lost your house? Why is it that all this hell is breaking loose in your life? Where are you at? God is going to ask you that. And the redemption was that God said, I'm going to redeem the woman by her seed, and I'm going to send another region, another person here on this earth that is going to be able to restore man back to the position that I originally created him in. I'm going to send someone that's going to keep the law to 100% of exactly what I want them to do. They have, they're not going to misquote the word. They're not going to run with an element of the truth. They're going to do exactly what I want them to do, and he's going to pay the ultimate sacrifice so that we can be in the position to rule, reign, control mm -hmm. in our life. Mm -hmm. Now, before I go, if God tarries and it's his will on Sunday morning, each one of the days of creation has a prophecy in it. And if you'll take day one, day two, day three, God reveals in each day what's going to happen in a thousand-year period of time, the, the big thing that's going to happen in a thousand-year period of time. In Genesis chapter number one is the way God works to restore a fallen creation. After all, what are we? Aren't we a fallen creation? Genesis chapter number one, and each day, God reveals to us what he wants to do in our life to restore us. And there's a system that he placed in there that you can get under that God is going to bless in a mighty way. A mighty way. Any questions before I go? Uh, the, the demon of death and people die from sickness that's it too. Say that one time. The demon of death and people just die from sickness that's what's happening. Exactly. The, uh, Muth has been given the authority mm -hmm. by man to pass through every man. Mm -hmm. And the only one that truly dis destroyed him was Jesus. Mm -hmm. Enoch and Elijah was taken out and they have not died yet, but they will come back down and they're going to die. It is appointed once the man to die and after that the judgment. So Muth and everything that brings about death, mm -hmm. sickness, disease, old age, the curse, mm -hmm. uh, 
Losing of your eyesight. Losing of, it's moved. Now, now, now listen to me. It's really important you hear this. When the devil has, or a demonic angel, has a position that he has a legal right to, how do you overcome it? It's the only way. Because you can bind death all day long. But if time persists, Maurice, and I'm still alive, I'll preach your eulogy. Or I'll make a comment of you. <laughs> You're going to die. Some, all of us are. Oh, yes, right. Unless right. the Lord comes and raptures us out of here, That's we're right. going to die. That's right. So any time in life, that we allow sin to remain in our life, we are opening up ourselves to sickness, disease, to death. And I don't tell you, I don't like death. I hate death. <laughs> Has anybody ever had a visitation from death? You ever thought you were going to die, honestly? Well, I have. I've been in a position where, hey, I... I know if something didn't happen during that point in time, I was going to be gone. I knew it. I don't tell you what, although you saved, if you, the first thing you start thinking about in your head, this happened to me when I was 35 years old. First thing is, have I done everything God wants me to do? Am I really ready to go? You think you are. And you may not be. I'd have went to heaven, no doubt. I'd have went to heaven. I had that peace. But had I done what God wanted me to do at that time? I had to ask the question, no. So, when you have that in your life and, and you, you, you face death face to face, he's got some power in your life. He has the power to walk through your life. Is that in the name Jesus also? I yeah. Jesus said. Your body's going to die. Mm, yeah, but that's honest. not you, though. Huh? Your body's not you. That's exactly right. Your body's not you. you see, see, the salvation of the soul, mm -hmm. the doctor's salvation of the soul, mm -hmm. is we're going to get a brand new body. Mm -hmm. But death is going to pass through, and mm -hmm. the body that's cursed mm -hmm. is going to die. Mm -hmm. And when we get raised back up out of the grave, if mm -hmm. we if, if we die before Jesus comes, mm -hmm. then we're going to be met up in the air and immediately mm -hmm. be given a brand new glorified body. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yes, you're right in that instance, but people need to also understand, this old body, mm -hmm. I wish I looked like I did when I was 35. <laughs> I was a sexy, virile-looking fella. Now, look at Betty over there. I had to say that just so she'd roll her eyes. I had a flat stomach, all this stuff, didn't have no wrinkles in my face, didn't have no gray hair, but I'll tell you what, I, I would love to have been that way the rest of my life. And when I get back to heaven, I'll be known as I was known, but I will be known with a glorified body and never will age again. Right. Any other questions before we go? Well, death doesn't, well, death doesn't keep our soul or spirit, and really, ultimately, it doesn't keep our bodies. It don't. Yeah. That he's going to be, the Bible says there, and I read it. God said, I am going to redeem you, ransom you mm -hmm. from the power of hell, mm -hmm. and I will actually take you away out of the hand of death. Mm -hmm. So he's already paved the way for your mm -hmm. spirit soul to go 
to the place that Jesus is preparing. Mm -hmm. Your body, however, will be put in the grave mm -hmm. and await your joining back together again. Mm -hmm. So in all truth, yeah, mm -hmm. the way you overcome and defeat death mm -hmm. is to accept Jesus Christ. It's the only way. Because through him, the uh, death doesn't even get to keep our bodies ultimately. This whole body right here is going to be gone, mm -hmm. so to speak. Uh, I, my body will be given a brand new body. Mm -hmm. I will have a hair with no gray hair. Mm -hmm. I won't have no wrinkles. Mm -hmm. won't have no sickness, no disease, mm -hmm. no curse, no nothing. Mm -hmm. I'll feel wonderful all day long. Mm -hmm. I won't have to go sleep much. <laughs> I don't have to go sleep at all. I, my body will be almost impossible to be able to create a tear mm -hmm. because I'll be in a perfect environment. Mm -hmm. So I'm waiting on that every mm -hmm. day so the reason why I brought about death mm -hmm. is because that is the warfare mm -hmm. right now it is. Yeah. see the, Satan was over death mm -hmm. and God told him says if you fall then death will be given the authority so who is it that the devil is sending to mm -hmm. fight you death and all his cohorts trying to kill you mm -hmm. COVID is being sent to kill you when you get a little sniffle, it's been sent to kill you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Stub your toe, sent to kill you. Mm -hmm. Scratch your hand, sent to kill you. Mm -hmm. And we need to start stopping and understanding, okay, wait a minute, Lord. I reached out there to grab something and I scraped my hand right there. And the devil's intention is for that to get infected and mm -hmm. to get down in my body mm -hmm. and get my bloodstream and to kill me. That's mm -hmm. right. But Lord... Your intention is to heal that thing up and stop it from going any further. That's right. If, if there's a, a scratch on your hand, when you look at it, it's red around it, ain't it? Mm -hmm. And when it's red around it, that means there's infection there in it. That's right. So the minute, oh, uh, you scratch it up, here's a boost. that's just called that there into it, and he's going to take that infection and make it deeper. Mm -hmm. And God has got his angels in there saying, mm, ain't right. going to happen right mm -hmm. now, ain't going to happen right now. You can't come early in this life mm -hmm. because this is God's life. And we need to start getting that picture mm -hmm. that God's fighting for us in the little things. Mm -hmm. When we do that, this church will praise God more than they've That's ever praised right. God for. That's right. Yeah. I'll hush. Anything else? Father, in the name of Jesus.